Okay, welcome back to the Hundred Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And my, 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 we have an awful lot to talk to you about. Uh, it's been quite a little while since we've done another Hundred Report. Are you all right? How you been? I'm good. I'm great. I'm enjoying this. Uh, the sunshine, the summer. I mean, now that the three tests have finished, of course, the sunshine's back to normal. Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, what what a crazy couple of weeks we've had. I mean, finally, the test cricket is back, and oh, I couldn't yeah. have been happy. I literally pretty much watched every single ball I don't know about you Chris oh no I definitely did I this is a strange thing to say but you know I mean we're always saying strange things in this time of uh, in this existence it felt like going back to something of a semblance of normality of just having something to look forward to and something to have a focus on and put a bit of my a bit of my passion and my attention into and what a three test series it was so again like we said in the last episode hats off to the West Indies I thought it was a fantastic series altogether. How about you? It had a bit of everything. And I think um, during this podcast, we're going to do a bit of a a match report on all three of the tests, Mm -hmm. Um, the test report as such. And I think we should go through them briefly, but there was so much, there's so much to talk about. We're going to try and keep it under 20 minutes. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So the first test was down in Southampton and we were minus Joe Root, our captain, because he was off having his second child. Um, So congrats to Joe Root. Congratulations, Joe. Ben Stokes took up the captaincy for the first time and you could see it in Ben's face. He desperately, desperately wanted to win as his first, obviously, as your first game as captain. Uh, sadly, didn't go our way, but there's a lot to take from, from the first test. And the first thing that I really queried, though, and that was kind of the first decision as the captain, was one, Stuart Broad being left out, which you know we all got an earful from that after after being left out. And the second <laughs> thing was the bat first decision right. on such a miserable day. I think we were all scratching our heads. Yeah, I've got, I, I've got a few thoughts about that. As far as the Stuart Broad thing is concerned... I, I get it. I get what the England management are trying to do, but I actually think Stuart Broad came on and did a very brutally honest interview and really addressed it perfectly. Because a lot of people think of Broad and Anderson as this package that they come together as a, as a duo, that they are effectively one bowler. And I do think it's not fair because Stuart Broad's got his own merits. And yes, I, I, I think that both of them wouldn't have gotten to the amount of wickets that they've got without each other because they're both so good. And I get that they're trying to man-manage and also thinking thinking ahead to the future and who else is going to open the bowling for England. But at the moment, I'm really of the mind, you pick your best bowlers for your tests. And at the moment, the two best bowlers in England are... James Anderson, Stuart Broad. Yeah, it's funny. I think it was Michael Vaughan that did a piece um, a couple of years back which said, I don't think England should play Anderson and Broad at the same time. I think we should use them one at a time. And I think they both reacted very badly to that comment because they mm. do, and we saw in the, in the last test, they do play so well together. So that was a big, bold move by Ben Stokes as well yeah. as the bat first decision. What do you and think about the bat first other... thing though? What was your take on that? Oh, I mean, I thought, I mean, I, I mean, if I were captain, I would have definitely <laughs> have chosen to bowl first because we know coming into the test that the West Indies, um, their batting lineup was not as strong as ours. I think the highest uh, average the batting lineup had in test was 29. Yeah. And it was definitely a bowl first day. There was a lot of, you know, the atmosphere was really sort of humid. There was rain spells coming in and out. I think the pitch was doing a lot. I'm really confused by that decision, but it's the captain's curse, isn't it? I think all all three <laughs> tests, the captain, whoever chose the first um, to battle bowl, got it wrong. And That's I think, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, he, he, um, you're absolutely right. He really, really wanted to win, but 
yes, curious decision. So for me, the biggest uh, excitement during the first test was the Holder versus Stokes. It was number one and number two all round uh, ranked by the ICC in the world at the moment is Jason Holder and Ben Stokes. And it was quite interesting because they each kept on getting the other out. Um, I think it didn't quite make it for the second innings, the last one, because that would have been a record apparently. um, Yeah according to the statisticians but it was quite an interesting uh, little rivalry and and holder and holder won you know i think the first test the west indies really outplayed us we spoke earlier about shannon gabriel and a lot of the bowlers but coming into this oh, yeah. everyone was talking about the pace we need to use you know archer and woods pace and actually yeah. the bowling figures said that the medium fast paced bowlers such yeah. as holder and gabriel just outshone everyone else yeah and the more incisive bowlers were often the spin bowlers i mean no one would have ever said that Roston Chase was going to be the one of the West Indies' best bowlers at the end of the series, but he was. He's also fantastic in the field. I mean, oh, he yeah. caught some amazing catches as well. Was he, it that run out of Joe really Root was great? great. Oh, that run out was insane. Yeah. Um, really I, great. But you think you're right. I, I, I do have to, before we move on to the next test, hats off to Shannon Gabriel. That man put in a, put in a session uh, for the first test, and uh, I think he ended up with nine wickets. He's really good when he gets going. I think he was sort of, yeah, I think he was puffing a little bit at the end, probably just worn out, which is fair enough. Yeah, he looked absolutely knackered, but fair yeah. play to him. He played absolutely brilliantly. So let's move on to the second test. Yep. So they obviously moved up to Manchester from Southampton. And in doing so, we have to sort of talk about the fact that Joffrey Archer was left out of the second test because he breached the biosecure bubble by nipping home to Brighton from Southampton before going up to Manchester. (laughs) And I have to say, I think that uh, the sort of the players and the management staff, well, certainly in front of the media, took it quite well. Uh, Mm. Chris Silverwood sort of, he was interviewed, what do you think about Joffrey Archer breaching the biosecure bubble? And he sort of said, well, you know, he's a young guy. He didn't realise he made a mistake. And actually, we have to look after him now and his mental state because he's going to be locked up in a hotel room for five days in Manchester. And I sort of thought, wow, that's um, that's a very mature way of looking at it. Because if it were me, I'd be fuming. <laughs> um, we were speaking about it earlier. But, you yeah. know, you really have to be careful with... I mean, Joffre Archer was late into the biosecure bubble in the first place because one of his family members was showing symptoms. So they had to be super careful. You just think at the moment with everything going on, there's no crowd you can't get away from the fact you're in this biosecure bubble you just double check with someone before you nipped home to get something yeah i'm i'm a little bit more of the the softer view of this to be honest with you because one of the crucial things was that actually i didn't realize this at the time but the players were responsible for getting themselves from southampton to manchester on their own of course you know what if you get halfway up the m4 and you need to go to the toilet so you're going to breach biosecurity by going into a petrol station. Um, and actually, I don't know. Can you actually get from Southampton to Manchester on a tank of petrol? I, I don't even know if you can do that. It's funny you say that because I actually did that very same journey um, a couple of weeks ago for for work. So uh, I drove from Southampton up to Manchester. And yes, you can do it in a tank of petrol. You certainly can't get there and back on a tank of petrol. But okay. that's assuming that they turned up to Southampton with a full tank of petrol ready to go. I don't think that place. happened. They would have had to stop for petrol. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I'm I'm of the belief that actually that's the best way. I thought it was wonderful how Ben Stokes approached it and actually came from this side of no, we've got to we've got to show Jofra that we're all in this together. And it mm. must be tough being in you know not being allowed to go outside of a cricket ground for that length of time. It's got to be even harder for the West Indies because I think they spent 
five of their six weeks in the UK at Old Trafford, not even leaving the grounds of Old Trafford. Yeah, mentally that's got to be really tough. Mm. Um, anyway, we were where we were, and it then meant that we could um, play another bowler because Joffrey Archer couldn't play. So um, Stuart Broad came back in uh, after his um, response to being left out in the first test, <laughs> yeah. and fair play to the guy. I mean, if you if you sort of and, and it's very rare, I think, for cricketers to sort of be so blatantly blunt and honest yeah it's refreshing isn't it you've got to back it up if you say you know i shouldn't have been left out i'm Mm. at the top of my game i should be played next time you've you've really got to have some balls and back that up and he did and he played so well um in the second test Um, and do you forget that you know this is the big x factor with Stuart broad because he can be frustrating if he's doing something that's a bit odd like you know bowling away from the stumps or bowling short and you forget that he gets on these rolls and it's it's a phenomenon that it just seems to keep happening. And he did it again in these two test matches where he doesn't just get you a wicket, he'll get you three, he'll get you four uh, in one spell. Can we just talk about the headbands? Because <laughs> <laughs> was it just me or... Sam Curran and Stuart Broad were having some kind of headband off. I think Sam Curran's was even bigger. And I have heard from sources that Sam Curran kept on going on about, can we have someone come in to cut our hair? Can we have a hairdresser come in? Because obviously they, they were in this biosecure bubble for such a long time. Yeah. And Sam Curran's hair is beautiful, don't get me wrong. Um, he, he, clearly takes, yeah, he clearly <laughs> takes um, some approach to his hair. But uh, he wanted this hairdresser in. They said no. And it's just obviously got longer and longer. It's beautiful look. So... They had this hairband off. They both had these white bands. And I know Anderson and also Wokes did too, but they were yeah. sort of a little bit more subtle. A bit more stylish, right? Guys, it literally looked like something out of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> it was hilarious. No, they did. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, um, I did I did love how it was a very specific choice of hairband as well, I thought. because you know, I found them most distracting, I have to say. Yeah, because um, it's quite you know, funny. The... But anyway, I'd like to talk about the batting. Okay, let's let's we'll move on from headbands and on to batting. <laughs> Joe Denley was dropped because yeah. um, Joe Root came back in, and I think it was either going to be out of Crawley or Denley who was going to lose their place. But they went with Crawley because he did much better in the first um, test than yeah. Denley did, and uh, Joe Root got back his number four spot, which he liked so much. So Crawley came in, and Sibley got the most amazing hundred. Eventually, <laughs> the most amazing time. I mean. <laughs> He did get some stick for it being one of the slowest hundreds in test history. But we have to remember what we were lacking in the test team last year. And I think Mm. Trevor Bayliss is all about the pace. And that clearly did really well for us. And and we focused more on, you know, the one dayers, which is why we won the World Cup. Did we mention that before? I'm not sure if we mentioned that before. We won the World Cup last year. We did did win Um, the World Cup. um, Whereas, you know, with the Ashes, the 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 top order of the batting we were re- we've been really struggling finding such stability at the top order and mm. I think Dom Sibley he played a really mature innings um, yeah. he just really he did the the brunt work for everyone else and and he really tired out the faster bowlers and yeah I think right. that is Chris Silverwood's stamp I think I think Chris Silverwood is is focusing more on the test the grind work the old more of the old style of test cricket and I, I mean. I can't say it's the most interesting to watch. I mean, when the run rate dropped under two, I was really yeah, was my getting, head off. getting a little bit turgid. But that leads us on to the masterclass that was Ben Stokes uh, in the second test, because you saw him do exactly the same, doing a grind out hundred, and especially you often associate Ben Stokes with just going crazy and hitting sixes left, right, and centre. Ben Stokes is a special player, but. 
this test really showed why this guy is probably the best in the world at the moment and in all disciplines and the man has is so fit you just it looks like he he just doesn't ever get tired i think nasty saying keeps calling him a freak a super freak which i know it's meant <laughs> as a compliment but i think that they should come up with a nicer phrase for ben stokes but yes. um, i know what he means by that yeah he definitely did and also it just showed with the batting my up as well and going back to sibley's longest hundred it then meant that they could you know it's like a game of chess test and we've had we had we lost a lot of overs due to rain and um i think you then had to sort of ramp up butler came in and whacked it some and really sort of sat i mean I thought that was quite brave of Butler, actually, in the first innings, because he's short of runs at the moment. Everyone mm. keeps talking about the fact that he's had, I don't know, so many test matches. I think it might, I can't remember how many, but quite a few test matches with one century to his name. And, you know, the, the gloves, it's always been spoken about. And he kind of sacrificed himself, really, because although he did get quite a decent score, when you're going for it like that, just to sort of make up the runs because the lack of time they have left you're sacrificing your own figures for the sake of the team and i think that is something worth mentioning absolutely um, for joss butler yeah big big mention for the um putting the team ahead of yourself but i think we should move on because i i think the th- let's move on for the third test it was basically the ben stoke show that's kind of that's kind of everyone it was the ben it. stoke show but i also want to to quickly shout out to my unsung hero Chris Wokes ah. because he also reached his 100th test wicket in the second test and he got his 100th test wicket quicker than either Ben Stokes or Andrew Flintoff which says a lot he also has a better average at home than Stuart Broad or Jimmy Anderson but he is just our unsung hero yeah and he's got a test 100 that man that, yeah the, there's a reason why I keep calling him Mr Perfect <laughs> you just like his hair Chris don't you well, I mean it is majestic did you see it <laughs> I like the the grey stripe he's got, he's got through the hair oh, now. Very that's distinguished. A new, that's a new one. No, he he's rocking he's rocking the hairband as well. So, okay, on to the third test. They stayed in Manchester, um, and there was talks before of you know do we change the bowling attack? Jofra Archer now is available, and what a great position to be in. We're, we're rarely in this position yeah. where we have all of our bowlers ready to go, fit and just chomping at the bit, really wanting to be included. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, who's going to get left out? Um, ben Stokes slightly injured himself in the second test, so he wasn't able to necessarily bowl. He was going to be played as a batsman. And they then chose something that I did not see coming. They left out a batsman. So um, Zach Crawley was left out and Joe Rube was in at three. Mm. And they chose an extra bowler. So they had Archer, Wokes, Anderson, Bess and Broad. All, yeah. all of them. Uh, yeah, I think it's great when you can get every single one of your bowlers in there. And we don't even have Mark Wood. There was no space for Mark Wood. But... I think, you know, I know Joe Root never really likes batting at three and four is often a question mark. Is that a bit too high for Ben Stokes? I don't think it is. At the moment, I think Ben Stokes is certainly the best batsman in England and there's a case to be made that he's one of the best batsmen in the world, aside from maybe Virat Kohli or Steve Smith. I was worried, though. I was thinking, oh, no, because I think we dropped... um... We dropped a, a wicket really early on. I think I, I can't remember. Was it was it Sibley was out for oh, a couple yeah, and yeah. and then and then Joe Root was in straight away, which is exactly what he doesn't like doing as yeah. in being in number three for Test. Is that sometimes if if we drop one really early on, he's he's then an opening batsman, which yeah. he clearly doesn't want to be. So I was thinking, oh God, are we gonna lose this this last Test? But there was everything in this last Test. It was it was uh, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, the partnership between. Pope and Butler was great. I think oh, Pope yeah. 
has just shown himself to be such a promising batsman. And not only um, that, Rory Burns. We didn't we didn't talk about Rory Burns before. Um, this was the first Test match where I went. You've got really got something about you now because yeah, Dom Sibley is the opener that grinds things out. But Rory Burns showed that he can switch his game. He he can be a bit quicker. Like he's not going to hit big, huge sixes. But he was scurrying between the wickets, especially that second innings with him and Joe Root. They were really getting on it. They were they were going very quickly about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think I think Burns really shows shows himself. I mean, he was the only opening batsman that really did anything last year in the Ashes. Yeah. So and he's just building on that. He's getting stronger and stronger. Um, and his averages are great. Um, Sibley's averages are great. But Pope, I think Pope is now averaging fifty seven or something in tests. He's not it's had cr- crazy, that many tests it? yet. But he's he's looking so so great. And can we talk about that catch? I mean, he's oh, also the one off the no ball. It was just, amazing at silly uh, point. It's a shame it didn't count because that was probably one of the best catches I've seen for a while. It was fantastic. And then obviously it was Stuart Broad's game. Um, yeah, he got the third fastest test 50. Pretty quick. He's so capable of it. He really is. He needs to now be batting higher up the order. He came under Archer and under Bess. And I know we spoke about since his injury, he's not been the batsman that he was before. But yeah. he now needs to, he needs to get more confidence now. I think he needs to bat further up the order. I think, it. yeah, hopefully he does. And he's definitely changed his game since when he got hit in the face by Varan Aaron with a bouncer. And it was pretty, it was pretty nasty. He was bleeding. It was pretty ugly. But... Um, he, he's so capable. I mean, you think back to him getting his Test 100. The man can bat. And so often so. I think it's David Lloyd who often mistakes him for his dad, for Chris Broad. And it's because when he bats, he looks like Chris Broad. You know, whenever I've seen the old footage of Chris Broad batting, you could very easily mistake the two uh, for being the same person. It's quite funny that Chris Broad was the match referee. So he was actually yeah. there, albeit in a different biosecure bubble. But it was very sweet and, and touching that when he did get his 500th wicket, he was able to sort of wave the ball at his dad and have a little thumbs up. Because yeah. that's a real shame, actually. Obviously, that is an amazing achievement. And to, for that to happen in front of no one, <laughs> there's no crowd. It must have been a bit of an anticlimax. But, and also, can we just talk about the fact that I think this is going to be a big pub quiz question in years in years to come that how much of a coincidence is it that both Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson got their 500th wicket off the same batsman yeah poor old Craig Brathwaite I think he's uh, <laughs> yeah it's not a stat that you really want to carry around with your name is it it's a shame because I actually think he's one of the better uh, West Indian batsmen at the moment um, which is a shame but he's got that now this eternally ignominious stat against his he head. really is but again this was Stuart Broad's game but my unsung hero once more got a fifer in this in this game. So, yep, yep. he's Mr. Poor old Chris Wokes. He's Mr. Perfect. I just wish people would realise this about him. I um, think um, <laughs> I think we have to obviously give huge kudos to the West Indies team for coming over here oh, again. Absolutely. They really have saved the English sport this summer and and proved to be an almighty team, like a Test team. I just hope they're rewarded in years to come by the ICC and given out more um, more Tests and more series because they really deserve it. They played. So well, their bowling attack is insane. Jason Holder is one of the best captains. They are lacking in in the batting, and also I think that they might be finding a replacement for the gloves again soon. I think he had a pretty pretty yeah. poor series. Um, so there's a lot of things to work on for the West Indies, but um, but there's real so promise, right? There's real promise to the team um, because, like you said, that yeah, the batting is struggling, but they have real potential. Roston Chase actually, I think, is is actually a very good batsman, a very sensible. 
I really like Jermaine Blackwood and his attitude, and he's very much a counter-attacker. I, I think he needs to learn how to dig in a little bit. And there's definite potential where you had Shamar Brooks uh, batting at number four, I believe he was. I think he looks very organised, and there were a few moments where I, where I thought, you, you are clearly a decent test player. So there is huge promise. So how about we round this episode up? Uh, but can we just talk about the fact that, that Bess has left out for Leach? Yes, we can. I, I know that you are having a bromance with Jack Leach. Uh, it's fine, but I, you know, I am having a bromance with Don Bess. Um, go on, let's uh, let's 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 go through it. How um, uh, how do you feel about it? I would have liked for him to have been chosen over Bess for one of the one of the three games. I think it's a shame that they didn't do that. Okay, I no, I get it. I get it. It's you're still remembering um, when we saw him batting at uh, Lords, right? I mean, there's the Lords, but there's yeah. also the one not out at Headingley. Um, okay. But yes, I think it was this time last year, we were absolutely sweltering in Lords, oh, the Island so Test hot. Match, yeah. where he came in as a night watchman and got 99 not, uh, yeah, 99 not out. Yeah, oh, I felt I really felt for him in that match. No, that not, was... not not out. He got out. Sorry, 99. Yeah, that was, it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a shame. Do you, remember, do you remember us having to run around the pavilion trying to find shade throughout that whole thing? I think we managed. We literally to... had our eyes on all of these different seats that were empty in the shade, and we just chanced it and kept on moving around the stadium because we were just absolutely. I think it was the hottest day of the year last year. I think it was nearly forty degrees. It was so so hot and really uncomfortable. But you're right. Um, no, I'm gonna not gonna get distracted from this because I'm Don Bess all the way. Um, I just like the guy's attitude and also the way that he batted, uh, especially with that partnership with Stuart Broad, where Stuart Broad was going ballistic. Just a, a cool head on a young man's shoulders. You're right. It's a that was a really really mature partnership that he yeah. that he'd had with Stuart Broad because he's the young guy. You could see Stuart Broad whacking it for someone. He could have easily been like, oh, I'll, I'll have some of this. I'll try my luck as well. But no, he didn't. He really sort of just retained his pace. I think he took a one off every over and kept Broad on strike because he could see what what Broad was up to. So yeah. no, I thought that was a really mature way of batting. You're and, right. And he could and he could bowl. I don't think this was a particularly good series. For for him to shine despite the fact there was lots of turn at Old Trafford it was a seamers game and also the West Indies was a bunch of right-handers and if you've got an off spinner against predominantly right-hand batsmen unless you're Graham Swan it's probably not going to be that great but But I think all in all I don't really think that there was a weak a weak point in the in the England team I know Joe Denley was was sent out after the first test, but I actually think that's done him the world of a good because we're going to talk about it in, a, in another podcast. But he's now included in the one day team, which I think he has actually got a one day contract with England rather than than a than Red Bull contract. So that's probably actually to his benefit. But I think that there wasn't really a weak link there. I think that we've got um, a lot of different bowlers we can go with when they're all fit. It's actually quite a good headache to have for Chris Silverwood but Definitely. we're looking super strong I'm really really we content really with, our, with our test team compared to last year at the Ashes oh no I actually think we're very competitive especially as far as the test championship is concerned I think that we are very competitive and can take on the likes of Australia and India with them but let's wrap up and we are going to discuss the Ireland series and also looking a bit further ahead to the Pakistan series it's going to happen very quickly as of recording this the Ireland series starts tomorrow so um, yay yay. but we can't look forward to it anyway it's been lovely back and thanks for listening of course if you're still not following us we are at 100 report on twitter at the 100 report on instagram and you can find us on youtube iTunes and your other podcast providers. So, thank you very, very much for joining us, and we will see you very, very, very soon. Bye.
Oh, 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 oh,